in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 186. Ah, yeah. Um, so we're caught up. We did it. We're done. Woohoo! And we're never going back again. <laughs> That's right. We're done. We, uh, we decided uh, through the Durlin storyline before Uprising starts, uh, we're out. We quit. We're done. <laughs> no more. All of our attention is going to be focused on other stuff now and uh, no more current issue reviews. <laughs> Until that storyline ends, which maybe you'll be never anyway. So maybe you're right. Maybe we have quit. <laughs> oh, no. Um, we are finally going to do some stuff that we wanted to do. Um, and by we, I mean Mark. <laughs> just, just kidding. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell them what we're talking about? After, after that introduction, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> so, uh, what we're going to be doing today, which hopefully Chad has some interest in too. Yes. Uh, just kidding. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be revisiting, if you will, an, an oldie but a goodie from the classic Banks Mars run. We're going to be doing Green Lantern, which will be Volume 3, Green Lanterns, 63 and 64, which was a rel- relatively contained, you hear that, people? A relatively contained story arc, a two-issue story arc, Parallax View, the Resurrection of Hal Jordan, which was a very interesting storyline, and it is basically, before I even get into the intro of how we get to this point, it's relevant because this is really the first uh, the first meeting between Hal and Kyle since Zero Hour ended, and the actual the first meeting of Hal and Ganthet since a long time ago. Certainly one on one. First meeting of Kyle and Ganthet since since he, he got ring. the ring. Yeah. yeah. So all all these a a reunion and a not very happy one on pretty much on an, an, an every single level that nobody's happy to see anybody here. Even though Kyle was kind of happy to see Ganthet at first, till he realized why he showed up. True. So would you? So should I just do the intro to this, or do you? Or do you want to say something before we kind of jump into that? No, I say I say we jump in. I mean, any anything we have to say, we'll just say uh, about while we're talking about the issues themselves. So yeah, we might as well just jump right on in. Cool. So what I alluded to a few seconds earlier, uh, this is the first meeting between Hal and Kyle since. Green Lantern Zero, which basically was the epilogue to Zero Hour, when this, well, in between their fighting, Kyle and Hal had their nice little bonding moment, which in many ways has laid the groundwork for the friendship that they've had ever since, regardless of how much of this is technically in continuity or not anyway, but their ba- the basis of their relationship has never really changed, that they came to, they kind of understood where each other was coming from, and they kind of related to each other on some basic level. But, of course, Green Lantern Zero ended with Hal kind of trying to absorb all the energy from Oa to basically start to do Zero Hour 2 when if he got the chance. And Kyle denied that by using his ring to overload Oa and blow up Oa. Then Kyle more or less spent the last few issues making his way back to Earth, coming back to Earth, heading back to New York. Um, the 
issue right before this, issue 62, was very important because Kyle ended up spending most of the, or at least half the issue, fighting a creature called Duality, which turned out to basically just be a, as far as Ganthet was concerned, a, a simple energy construct that Ganthet himself had created since Ganthet had arrived in, in New York looking for Kyle, I think the issue or so before. You didn't see, you hadn't seen him since, but he basically showed up at the very end of an issue looking for Kyle, and he created this this duality as a, te- a as a test for Kyle to see how Kyle could use his ring, and of course Kyle failed miserably, which sadly was not unexpected for Ganthet because he essentially had reached the conclusion as he was regaining his energies and recharging himself, which is kind of the reason they gave for Ganthet being off the stage ever since he gave Kyle the ring. That he made this, he was reached the conclusion that Kyle pretty much was not a worthwhile ring bearer, and he had come to New York to get the ring from Kyle to find a worthy ring bearer. But as their discussion kind of reaches a fever pitch at the end of issue 62, the issue ends with a big splash page, and who's who's standing there at Kyle's door? But a very hard traveling hero-esque looking Hal Jordan. And we had known, as in at the time, if you had been reading Green Lantern, you had no, we had known Hal Jordan was back on Earth because at the end of uh, is, issue 61, I think, they showed someone hitchhiking, again, like kind of like a homage to the hard-traveling hero days. And at the very last, last part of the issue on a splash page, you saw that it was Hal Jordan introducing himself to, to the woman who picked him up hitchhiking. So we knew Hal was back, and now we kind of know why Hal was back, and that and that leads directly into Green Lantern 63. So Green Lantern 63, which is Parallax View, the Resurrection of Hal Jordan Part One. Kyle pretty much tells Hal that you know, I don't know what you're here for, but if, you, if you're looking for this ring, you better be pre- prepared to take my hand with it. Of course, Hal kind of he doesn't really show the humor, but we as readers kind of get the kind of know what he's talking about when he says believe it or not I've kind of heard that before because that's an Emerald Twilight reference when Boudica pretty much said the same thing to him and of course Hal just chopped off her hand (laughs) to get the ring Um, Hal shows up and says well you know I'm here for my ring that's because that's essentially how Green Lantern 62 ended that he showed up at his doorstep looking for saying that he wanted his ring back Hal reiterates that to Kyle. Ganthet pretty much says, I don't even think about giving it to him. And Kyle goes, what, what do you care? A second ago, you were telling me that I, you know, I wasn't worthy of the ring. And he goes, yeah, that you wanted to take the ring away. And he said, well, yeah, I did because I wanted to find a suitable bearer, not to him. And Hal and Ganthet kind of have a moment. And, you know, I don't know. I guess in a way, how I don't know if he was being sincere or just kind of you know kind of being standoffish. Kind of goes Ganthet, is it like he didn't recognize him? Maybe it was the ponytail. I'm not sure. But Hal and Ganthet can have a, continue their discussion. Hal points out how the Guardians were always trying to tell people how to run their lives, and you know some things don't change. Even though Hal was kind of surprised that any Guardian was alive, but he sees Ganthet more or less acting to him like Guardians always did. Ganthet points out that, you know, you just you destroyed us. You know, why why you know why in the world would you know would you wa- even want to wield a ring again? But no matter what, you're unworthy of the of that power. Hal kinda has a moment and goes, Well, you know, I kinda went through a bad time <laughs> which is an understatement. And he goes, I'm sorry, nothing kinda went the way I wanted it to go. All I wanted was 
what was right, but nobody could understand that. Hal proclaims, but I'm much better now, which <laughs> we kind of suspect he isn't, but he's doing this. He's bathed in green when he's saying it. So that kind of kind of gives you an idea of what's going on or what's about to happen. Hal points out that he pretty much just wants to get back, you know, get get his life back. That's why he's here. And a big part of my life was being Green Lantern. Kyle goes, and he goes I, how are you even alive? I thought you were dead. And he goes, oh, you mean when you destroyed Oa? And he goes, oh, no, I just went elsewhere, which, of course, down the road, we eventually find out where that elsewhere was. We just don't find it out in this story. Um, he, Kyle points out, I mean, uh, Hal continues that, you know, I, I belong on Earth. You know, this is what's supposed to be. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be Green Lantern. He points out that this is how I I, you know, Kyle asked, how did you find me anyway? And he goes, the ring is basically an extension of me. It's a part of me. You know, that's that's the way it is. Ganthet kind of kind of rebuts that and goes, not anymore. You abused the ring. You broke you broke our strictures, which is the he basically says laying it on Hal pretty good, which is the first moment of anger you get from Hal because he pretty much gets in Ganthet's face. And he's talking about your rules. You know, your rules kept me from happiness. I served the core loyally. I did everything you wanted, you know, and when I, you know, and, and it got me nothing. And then at the moment, he, Hal kind of shows that he does, rem- you know, that he was kind of like, in a way, uh, busting Gantha's chops when he was kind of alluding to maybe he didn't really know who he was when he said, you know, we shared an adventure. You know, you were a good, you were a great ally then. But, you know, you're still a guardian, so, my, so you know, my goodwill is only going to go so far, so just stay out of my way. I've, I've, I've warned you. Hal goes, you know, Hal goes to Kyle, you know, I, you know, you know, the ring is mine, it's rightfully mine, give it to me, I deserve it, and you know I could take it from you if I wanted to. You know, there's a contemplative couple of, of panels there where Kyle looks like he's thinking it over, and he just says, no. And he says no to both of them. He says he basically is telling Hal he can stick it. I'm not giving you the ring, and Ganthet, you can stick it too because this ring is mine. I'm Green Lantern, and you're not getting it back to give it to somebody else. Hal doesn't, as usual. Hal doesn't take no well as an answer. You know, he kind of is. He kind of tries to convince Kyle first. Is like, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be Green Lantern. I'm just supposed to be. And he's like, you had your chance, Hal. You blew it. You know. As it's kind of, they refer to zero hour of the uh, excuse me Green Lantern zero of the epilogue to zero hour about you know you're not fit to wield this thing you're not uh, I think we found that out on Oa you know things have changed and you can't change them back Hal gets really pissed at him and is like don't you know don't tell me what you can you know what I can and like what I can do you know I, I've been I was saving worlds when you were still in diapers Kyle and he goes give me my ring and of course Kyle points out that it's his ring. He blasts he blasts Kyle, uh, excuse me he blasts Hal into a a bookshelf which collapses on him and then a pretty cool splash page which I'll talk about later because they kind of use this in marketing for this storyline and a and a pretty cool splash page this is the first time we see uh, Hal transform into Parallax in this issue and there are some cool things related to the books on the bookshelf that you get to see too. But Hal is kind of lamenting the fact that basically Kyle is making him do this. It's like, why? Why are you making me do this? All I want is what's mine. You're not Green Lantern. Nobody believes you're Green Lantern. He blasts Kyle. Kyle kind of points out that, you know, I don't think you're one of the bad guys, Hal. I know you certainly don't want to be one. 
but you're not Green Lantern anymore. I am, and if it if it means we have to do this again in order for me to keep the ring, I'm willing to do it. Hal kind of continues with, you know, I don't want to do this. Why are you making me hurt you? I don't want to hurt you. Kyle is pretty, and a pretty funny moment goes to goes over to Ganthet, or when he's putting up a shield to protect himself from Hal. He turns to Ganthet and he goes, "Hey, Shorty, how, how about a little like guardian advice here?" And he goes, "No, no, this won't do. You'll never defeat him." And then he just kind of like disappears in a in a Actually, if you look at the symbol, it almost looks like the uh, orange lantern symbol now. But he blasts off, and basically, it's a sphere of green energy. He just kind of disappears in before Kyle can figure out, you know, process everything. Like, what is what am I supposed to do now since I've been abandoned? He gets blasted through the side of his apartment building. We switched to the to the Martian Manhunter and the Rockies eating Oreos and reading Fahrenheit 451. It looks like Ganthet shows up. Uh, Man, Martian Manhunter is kind of stunned to see him. It's like, I thought you were dead. And he goes, yeah, I get that a lot. And he goes, I, I, have, you know, I need you. I have use for you. And, and then he takes Martian Manhunter. You get, they cut back to New York where Hal and Kyle continue their fight. Hal kind of points out, let's see about what Gantha just did. He goes, see, the Guardian desert, deserted you. That's what they always do. Kyle, again, tries to be empathetic and sympathetic. It's like, I'm sorry about what happened to you, Hal. I can't even, you know, I kind of somewhat understand, but I can't pretend to entirely understand what you went through. But this ring means a lot to me now, too, and it means a lot to me, you know, means enough to me where I'm going to fight for it. Now we switch back to the Atlantic, where Ganthet shows up to find Aquaman. And he goes, you know, I need you, and he takes him. We cut back to New York again, and Hal and Kyle continuing to duke it out. Hal points out, you really have no hope of beating me. I am Green Lantern. Kyle rebuts very nicely, you were, and sends a Tyrannosaurus at him. <laughs> Hal gets the reference and goes, you're trying to tell me I'm a dinosaur? You know, some pe- And then he goes, you know, people, some people say <laughs> that the dinosaurs, they didn't go extinct. They just evolved, and Hal just rips right through the head of his, flies through the head of Kyle's energy-constructed dinosaur. Now we switch to Seattle, where Ganthet shows up looking for Black Canary, but he finds out that Black Canary doesn't have her powers anymore, so he kind of <laughs> just leaves her in a, in a very r- rude fashion. Never mind, you're of no use. She's got an ass, though. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she actually doesn't look... And she does, good one, good one, Chad. <laughs> Back to the <laughs> Chad review. Chimes, Chad chimes in, and it's like, yes, and she's checking it out, too. You are correct. <laughs> and she doesn't actually look bad with, 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 uh, with black hair. But, uh... It is, it is a it is a kind of funny moment though. It's like uh, you're you're no use to many. And he just leaves. Uh, even though when you really think about it, well, we'll talk about this once we get to the second part of the issue. That you know she could have had some possibly some effect since it wasn't all physical that I think Ganthet was trying to accomplish by gathering everybody. We cut back to New York again. You know, Hal points out that, you know, you do pretty well with your ring for a novice, but I've had years of experience. Kyle points out, good for you, but I, but I kind of figure youthful enthusiasm has to count for something. He blasts Hal into the water. Uh, while that's going on, Ganthet shows up in Keystone City. He reala- he finds the Flash, which is Wally, but he, re- he recognizes that, you know, ideally he would be looking for Barry, but he knows Barry... He knows that it's not Barry, but he knows that he's close enough and that he'll serve the purpose. So Ganthet gathers up Wally West back in New York. Kyle's still underwater. So Kyle's going, oh, my God, really? It's like this guy can't actually drown. Then, of course, a big green energy constructed hand comes up, 
grabs Hal, lifts him in the air, grabs Kyle, excuse me, lifts him in the air. Then a big, you find, you see that Hal is basically making an incredibly large green construct of himself, Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, holding Kyle. He points out that, you know, I've let you play it this long enough, Kyle, but it's time the real Green Lantern returned. Now we, we go to Chicago where we see Hawkman flying. Ganthet showed up to, to get him. He kind of recognizes this isn't the Hawkman that, you know, Hal really knew or everybody else can, not entirely knew, but there's, but there's an aspect of that Hawkman in him, which, of course, it kind of ties into what happened in Zero Hour when all the different Hawkmen kind of got combined into one and through different times. Uh, he goes, require you. There's a just battle to be fought. Hawkman goes, then let us go. Or let us be gone is what he's trying to say. But of course, before he can even finish his sentence, Ganthet takes him and a flash of green uh, back in New York. Kyle continues to fight Hal. He goes, you know, why are you continuing to struggle, Kyle? I mean, you can. this is a fight you couldn't win to begin with. Ganthet should never have given you the ring. You can't replace me. No one can. The green constructed Hal that Parallax Hal created slams Kyle to the ground. While that's going on, we see... Ganthet show up and he finds a uh, green arrow. Of course, Oliver Queen is looking more like, you know, this is when the, the costume of, of green arrow at this point is more or less the, the Connor esque like, um, costume that Ollie wore for a while. Not the classic green arrow costume, not that he's in it yet, but that's, that's the look. Even, even Ollie with, you know, with his little goatee and his hair, it's a lot more, not the not the classic look, Oliver Queen. Let's put it that way. He, but Ganthet shows up. He goes, Oliver Queen. Ganth, um, Oliver Ollie pretty much looks at him and goes, "It's him, isn't it?" And he goes, "Yes." So Ollie just goes, "Right, let's go." He grabs his bow. They disappear. Back in New York, Kyle's barely conscious. He goes, "You fought the good." Hal goes, "You fought the good fight, Kyle. You should be proud, but you came up short. There's no shame in that." You have to understand this is just something that was destined to happen. And Hal reaches down to get ready to take the ring off Kyle's finger. You hear the last panel of that page has a hold on there, old buddy. And we turn to a splash page of seeing Ganthet with basically most of the a large portion of the Justice League, all the ones we just saw him gather standing there. He goes, We've got some business to attend to. Ollie finishes his thought. And uh, the next issue, part two, is in entitled justice will be done and that ends parallax view part of one okay so number two slash number 64 picks up where the first one left off ganthet is uh approaching hal saying he needs to stop this madness and we get another kind of reintroduction of the justice league figures that uh um, so the ganthet says i'm not going to face you but they will and we get the reintroduction of the justice league uh uh, Ollie is lining up a shot uh, again <laughs> at Hal. Uh, <laughs> and but Hal's ready this time, baby. That's right. Hal snatches the or- the arrow out of midair. Uh, he says, don't do that again. Don't try and stop me. Um, he turns his attention back to Kyle, and Kyle uppercuts him in the jaw because that's where you're supposed to uppercut somebody. <laughs> and then chides the Justice League for not helping. So they all rush up uh, and start taking on Hal. Uh, Hal puts up a shield to block Wally uh, and a uh, blast to knock uh, Hawkman out of the air and chains around uh, 
Martian Manhunter and throws him into Kyle. Aquaman tackles him from the back and says, well, look at, you know, um, we all lost something. What happened to you? And um, uh, 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 Hal points out the changes uh, in Arthur. Yeah, his new costume is Hook, but his, he's still a hero. He's just going about it a little differently. And then uh, Hal gets su- uh, super sucker punched in the face. Uh, by uh, Martian Manhunter, who's gone invisible as uh, uh, Hawkman bashes him in the back of the head with a mace. Um, so he, then, using his own construct mace, uh, Hal bashes uh, Hawkman back in the air, and uh, uh, Wally runs and gra- snatches him out of thin air. John and uh, and and Hal are going up against each other now while he's fending off Kyle. Saying, you know, you you should understand of all people what's going on. You lost your entire world. Uh, and then Ganthus observing all of this, then disappears. Says that this isn't, it's going poorly. Um, so at this point, Ollie in his infinite wisdom decides that smacking uh, Hal on the back with his bow is going to be effective. Uh, <laughs> sm- <laughs> smacks him on the back no, of the bow. No, nothing else works. Let's use a pea shooter and take out Hal. <laughs> That's right. So, but he's really doing it to get uh, Hal's attention, trying to talk him down. You've always tried to do the right thing, but this time you're wrong. It's at this point that uh, Hal uses a construct snake and snatches him up. Wally goes up against uh, Hal, tries to use the whole, you know, you were a hero, Uncle Hal. You know, can't we just talk? Um, talk to me. I don't understand what's happened. Uh, why are you a villain? You know this, that whole spiel doesn't work either. Uh, Hal says, "I'm proud of you." While he knocks uh, Wally senseless, um, it's back to just uh, Hal versus Kyle. They go construct to construct. Each of them put their all into the constructs, and then it's kind of like an explosion, which knocks uh, Kyle unconscious. Hal grabs the ring, uh, puts it on. So at that point, he's tapped on the shoulder by none other than Superman with his infinite mullet. And um, uh, he, he says, you know, we got to talk. And Hal's like, we're not going to talk. And uh, Superman's like, all right, fine. So they start fighting. Uh, Superman starts talking anyways, asking him why. You were the best of us. You were the truest. Uh, you saw Coast City, Superman. Um, sorry, Hal. Coast City's gone. It's not coming back. And Hal's like, I'm, I won't accept that. Makes a construct bomb, blows everything up. Ganthet says, Not what you wanted, is it? Uh, and you wanted to set things right. Hal Jordan, look around you. Is this what's right? You wanted the power to restore Coast City, and you destroyed the Guardians and the Core. You wanted to be a Green Lantern again, and you battered those who were your friends. And he's like, I was only trying, and you know, the ring and the power. You're not worthy. It can't be yours. Uh, it must be ended. Well, yeah, because you say, and then you said this, and I ended up losing Coast City. All you are is power. I just need more power. Um, you know, the, the whole, you know, uh, parallax spiel. It's at this point that Kyle wakes up and bashes him over the uh, back of the head with a tire iron um, crowbar. And um, he's like, Hal's like, why are you still fighting? And he says, uh, well, you think, you're, you think of yourself as a hero, but a hero wouldn't do these things. You have to be stopped since I'm the only one left standing. Looks like it's up to me. I know you can't beat, I know you can beat me, but I can't give up. That's not what a hero would do. That's not what a Green Lantern would do. And this kind of, you know, in a way snatches uh, Hal back to his senses, gives the ring back to Kyle, 
And it's at that point that Hal absorbs Ganthet in his power, says no, then yes, it's ended, and then disappears up into the sky. It's a little while later, uh, apparently hours later, uh, and then the rest of the heroes wake up and approach Kyle. Kyle kind of updates them on what, what, what had gone on. Um, and uh, the ring's in good hands, and now more than ever, you are Green Lantern. Um, and then we get a little vignette type of story. At one point when I turned the page, I thought this was a reprint for some reason. Um, but anyways, it's not. It's part of the story. We see a little boy who's missed his, his missing his dog. His dog is lost. Uh, a, little, a green construct hand swoops out of the sky and gives his dog back to him. And it's Green Lantern. You're the hero. You make Coast City the best place to live in the world. Well, that's what I'm here for. And then we zoom out. And this image is in Hal's eye. We zoom out, we zoom out, we zoom out. And Hal is alone on a planet, you know, curled up, sitting on the ground in a fetal position, just kind of imagining all of this and living inside of his own head. End. And then the whole thing has a Batman Forever ad on the back cover. <laughs> yes, it does. Can't go wrong with that. This is 1995, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that Batmobile. Uh, yes. So what'd you think? I've always, I always liked the storyline. I always thought I, I don't like I the way it actually ended with that you know that sequence in Hal's mind, that kind of always bothered me just because it just I don't know it just makes it just kind of makes Hal look really pathetic. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just showing what Gant that did to him. Which we should we should point out that uh, when Hal about the absorbing of of Ganthet, more or less. Uh, because Ganthet makes the point, because Hal referenced that he need, all he knew, needed was more power, so Ganthet just kind of point out, if what you want is more power, Hal Jordan, take it. And basically, Ganthet transforms into energy and goes into Hal on his own. So basically, Hal does absorb him, but it's not by Hal's choice, necessarily. Ganthet really flows. Base, Ganthet pretty much puts himself into Hal. That's right. why it's first it's no, then it's yes. Um, and as we find... as we will continue if you find out that you know in, in future stories that you know there it's kind of it's never really 100% made clear why Gant what why Gantha did that entirely he kind it's kind of alluded to and we're not entirely and it has some kind of effect on Hal but not a you know not an entirely dramatic effect as in I might rein him in a tad but it doesn't change his his, his worldview or his universe view maybe is a better way of looking at it but yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but to me, but I guess maybe they were, but then they, I guess on some level we have to, you know, if, if, we, if we do get Ron Mars one day, we'll have to, we can just, these are questions to throw out with him because he obviously, they had different plans for Hal and what they were going to do with Hal before kind of like having no choice, but to lose him in final night. That was not basically their call. That was not what they would have done with Hal. So the question is whether this would have been a jumping-off point or or the first uh, the first domino to fall, and maybe making Hal come back in some kind of more of a heroic role, since you know since the basically subtitle of the storyline is the resurrection of Hal Jordan, and that really does not come to fruition in the story arc entirely, just from the point of view that he accepts that he can't be Green Lantern again. So maybe that so that is probably the first step right there, that it's time for me to be something else. That he can't be Green Lantern anymore. That it's time for me to be something else. So I, that's so the very very end is the only thing that that kind of kind of bothered me about it. Even when I first read it, that's so that nothing's really changed. Some of the cool things, I, especially in part two, 
that I really liked was that, which again, we don't know at the time how much it was thought out. Like we, they knew what was going to happen or whether it just fits perfectly and by luck of the draw. But when he, when Hal's wrapping the snake around Ollie and he points out that, you know, there's going to be a time where I won't be able to save you, which of course is essentially alluding to when Oliver Queen dies and gets blown up in that plane. Right. Um, which is kind of ironic ultimately because Hal does end up saving him just kind of retroactively. <laughs> True. All because Superman doesn't wash his, his outfit as, close, as much as he could or as, as using a better detergent. But, but I, I, I always, even going back and rereading that, it, it just has a special kind of uh, ring or f- special kind of feeling to me and brings back memories because of the fact of what he's specifically alluding to because, of course, not just Hal being Hal and speaking in you know grandiose ways and terms. He is parallax. I mean, he he was the time traveling parallax. He pretty much, technically speaking, really, depending how far he went, he really could know every single thing that's going to happen in in the DC universe from now until there is no DC universe. So, which of course, even in Final Night, they referred to the fact that you know Hal kind of knew that he was going to die. It wasn't like he didn't know that was going to happen. He kind of knew that that was the end result, but. I guess, which which was to make it even more heroic when we found that out, that Hal knew it, but he did it anyway later on. So, um, I did like the fight with, I did like the fight with the Justice League, like I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's, they probably could, since part of what he was trying to do, Ganthet, by bringing the team together was to kind of like wake Hal up, it's possible he could have brought Dinah in. Um, she might have had some effect, but I guess... Ganthet kind of knew that it, it probably was going to take a combination of both, of both physical confrontation and the emotional confrontation to be able to bring him back. Well, Dinah would only call back into his mind the whole hard-traveling hero stuff, and he already, right. he already had Ollie there. Yeah, it's true, but it could have re- re- reinforced it, too, a little. Um, it probably, on some basic levels, even though it's still the same guy, it probably didn't help from the, from the trying to get through to how aspect that Ollie didn't really look like classic Ollie at this point. Yeah. That from a you know from a physical point, of, you know, it's trying to shock somebody. It's like seeing somebody, uh, like in like in Winter Soldier with 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 Cap putting on his World War Two suit partially to you know kind of like get to Bucky, you know, to try to re- re- rekindle some of those vibes. And that memory, and that in those feelings, at the same way as like Oliver Queen in this, even though Hal's seen him in this uniform, it's still not going to be the same effect as if it was classic, classic Ollie. Um, I kind of like. I think which part? Which part did you like best of the two of these? The single-page splash in this in the first issue where he's throwing the bookcase off of him. That's my favorite. That's my favorite panel. Yes, of course. And on the ground, you have you know one of the books is named Banks, as in for Daryl Banks. Two eight one four. Two eight one four is on the other one. I really, li- yeah. This splash page was really cool, and I actually still have a a glossy version of this, which I, who knows what comic book it was in, but I took it out of at the time. I still had that on my door in in this room, on the on the outside door of this room, and a sheet protector because they when they were promoting the story arc, they used this. They used a splash page and, and mentioned, oh, Green Lantern 63, 64, Parallax View, the resurrection of Hal Jordan, kind of with the tagline, you will see things his way. So I always thought that was pretty cool. And Now, were you getting all of this when it was coming out? Yes. Okay. So 
what's your experience as it was coming in out? Um, I mean, I, I know you kind of already alluded to it slash talked about it, but we both know that uh, in issue 100 and uh, for a storyline there going on after 100, Hal comes back, but it's past Hal. So there's a right. there's a couple of different storylines in the Kyle Rayner run in which Hal Jordan either as Hal or whatever, or as Parallax, is involved. So this is not the... if For me, this is not the first time I've seen Hal in the Kyle Rayner series, albeit I saw him out of order in the Kyle Rayner series. So my perspective on it is that of somebody who's like, oh man, we only got Hal for like two issues and he's gone? What was the first... So was that the was that the first issue? What was the first issue you read then with Hal and Kyle? Was it the one hundred? Yeah, it was the it was the uh, that was Emerald Knights is what it was called, right? That storyline. Well, one hundred technically wasn't part. I don't think one hundred was technically part of Emerald Knights, but it basically led into Emerald Knights because that's when that's when Sinestro basically pushed Hal into the time stream, the Guardians' little efforts to send uh, Kyle back into the right time, and he pushed Hal right in with him, so they both showed up. Right. Um. Yeah, because you're right. This is not – as far as appearances in the in the Kyle title since he, when, since he took it over or when he took it over, now that it's past tense, that yes, Green Lantern Zero was the first time that Hal and Kyle in current continuity met in Kyle's book. Right. Even though I think it might have been – I don't remember the issue now. It might have been Green Lantern 55 or 56. Maybe whichever one was like it was like the pre-zero hour issue when Alan Scott shows up for the first time and he meets Kyle and he basically he shows up purposely because he's giving him a primer on Hal and, and what who Hal was what Hal did what Hal is now and the fact that at some point Hal is going to have to be dealt with and you're going to be you're the last Green Lantern you're going to be and you're going to have to be involved. It was there's some pretty cool pages of art in that too that includes when it, uh, the Emerald Fallouts. Uh, the, referring to the Emerald Fallout when, when Alan and Guy in the ta- in the Justice League Task Force went to Oa to find out what the hell happened, and Hal pretty much destroys them, which is the first appearance of Parallax with his cape, actually, since the original Emerald Twilight version didn't have it. Right. But yeah, but this is the this is the first this certainly in the regular numbered issues in without it being a flashback or you know somebody talking about it. This is like the first time Hal really is, Hal and Kyle have really interacted. Uh, as we mentioned when we talked about uh, our thoughts on Kyle, his anniversary, that you know my perspective is kind of not supremely unique because I'm sure there's others who, have, who did the same thing, but it's not super common. The fact that I started reading the book on a regular basis after Kyle became Green Lantern, but it was because of everything they did to Hal that got me interested in going back and reading about Hal. So almost from the very beginning, Hal was my favorite, even though Kyle was the one I was reading about in current continuity. So I was always – I always liked the Hal Parallax, and I'm sure there are other stories at some point we're going to be looking at, which which, which uh, has you know, both of them in it. I mean we've talked about the, you know, the Unholy Alliances uh, graphic novel, the one shot that we'll probably do, and the annual that, that in which uh, they swap places. And Hal's trying to recharge the power back. Hal and Kyle are essentially recharging their recharging themselves at two different times, it, and they create some kind of weird vortex because they're both drawing power out at the same time, and they end up swapping lives. And they so they both so that kind of reinforces uh, a bond that, or the basic 
understanding or the 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 fact that they both had something in common and they both realized that they they didn't entirely understand what each other was going through, but they kind of had an idea and they both kind of had mutual respect for each other, even though they both were do were on by circumstances kind of forced on opposite sides. And that and that annual that kind of just reinforces it because then they literally get to deal with each other's issues and the problems that they had to deal with. Kyle has to deal with the Guardians for the first time, uh, and how has to deal with Major Force and and Alex and everything. So it's it's, but this was. I always enjoyed when Hal showed up. It was always it was always a fun time. That's I think that's kind of why I didn't like the ending so much because it just to me I know what you're saying and that's the way a lot of people probably took it. To me, it just made Hal kind of look really like a loon at the end, as opposed to being better. Just he just kind of like curled up somewhere, just thinking about how things were and how he'd like things to be again. But um, yeah, I this was always one of my favorite storylines. I thought. I thought the title was pretty cool, you know, referring to like the movie, you know, the parallax view, and and again, the resurrection would probably assume I would maybe it was again maybe it was the first step towards getting him from point A to point B down the road, but at least the first major change in Hal as Parallax since he became Parallax when he acknowledged that you know being Green Lantern again was something he didn't necessarily give up on the dream of of getting things done the way he wanted them to, but he kind of acknowledged that you know he couldn't be Green. He couldn't be Green Lantern anymore, which they kind of put the icing on that cake later on in, in the final in the Parallax Emerald Knight um, one shot in which Ganthet essentially offers him a ring again, and, and Hal just turns it down because because he just says you know he doesn't really need it anymore. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I always did enjoy it. Uh, the I don't I, and and my my thoughts on it aren't. Critical, though, though they might sound that way. It's just that having read Emerald Knights before I read Parallax View, although I think I owned part two of Parallax View before I read the Emerald Knights. So basically, I bought Parallax View part two of two, and then I found Emerald Knights and got all of those and read all of those, and then I read. Six uh, found sixty three and got to read all of Parallax View. I think that's how that went. It just seemed like this was a little shorter. Hal was a little crazier, you know, and uh, not not so much crazier, but in the fact that especially in number sixty four, in, in in part two when he the when he's going up against the Justice League, each member of the Justice League essentially has the same argument that how that Ganthet and Kyle pose to him. They just have it in their own way, and it's odd that it doesn't. The the no matter how many different people say the same thing, it doesn't work until it needs to work in the end of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I, I can understand. I I can understand that. I think I think what we're at least what we're supposed to take from it. it it's just a it's just the reality of the moment where how you know it maybe just hits how yeah it does it, it absolutely feels like it's too quick because it literally happens like in, in uh, three small panels from when yeah i mean and, from and when I, I get it though i mean i do get it it's it's the same it's the same concept as you know when someone's like uh telling you uh, about the consequences of making a mistake they can tell you until the cows come home but you're not really gonna get it until you make the mistake yourself you know what i mean it's, right that's it's the same thing yeah. That is true too, but it's all. I think it's also the fact that the realization of that 
maybe I'm not, maybe I am doing something kind of the wrong way. The fact when he sees that, you know, like Kyle, no ring, already got, already having his, basically gotten his ass kicked twice by Hal in a short period of time. The entire Justice League, including Superman, laid out cold. You know, he, as Kyle even points out that, you know, he knows he really has no chance in hell of stopping Hal, but yet, you know, somebody has to try to do it because what he's doing is wrong. So I'm going to stand up here and do it. Just that, that I think, just the image of that is what's, I guess, we're supposed to believe is what kind of like made Hal kind of maybe think twice about about what he's doing as opposed to the belief that, you know, no no one can understand. All I want to do is what's right. I just want to get things back. Why can't people understand that that's maybe the first moment of recognition that Hal has that, you know, this is – that this isn't, you know, really who I am or I should – or who, what I am now is not really what I was then, and and probably is clearly his first realization that 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 Kyle really deserve, deserves to be Green Lantern, right? And that so it's another respect thing with Kyle and Hal too, but now a lot. I mean, a, and the fact. I mean, the the reality is the only. Well, now, now that Owa is gone, it really doesn't make a difference. But the only real reason Hal would. I mean, the only. Di- from a, well, we under, we kind we do kind of understand having the getting the ring back is much more of a symbolic thing for Hal. It's not really a power thing for Hal. It's a symbolic thing because he actually is much more powerful as Parallax than he would be if he just by having the ring. You know, if he could if he if he could swap with Kyle and take the ring back and give his, all his all his power to Kyle, Kyle would be far superior to him in power. It's just it's a symbolic thing. So that's all. It, but. You know, so maybe it's just a, re, a, a moving on from the point of view that I don't need this anymore, as in, or I, or I'm, or I, that's not who I am anymore. I can still. So again, it would be curious to see exactly where they would have, you know, where Hal they could have gone with Hal's parallax, making him, as some many people have pointed out, he could have been almost like a, like a, almost like a Magneto kind of villain, where he's a lot of what he does, the the methods of to his madness are not good, but the, but the ultimate goal that he's trying to achieve sometimes is questionably good. So how you know so where it would be morally ambiguous sometimes about whether Hal was really the bad guy or just keeping him around to show up in big events because sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes you know it's like a wild card, you don't know who he's going to be. Or it was. You know, it would have been cool if if if, Hal, if you know if they kept him around as Parallax. Going out as, in Final Night was cool. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll touch upon those stories, including Emerald Knights, which would also be a great story to do. Right. Uh, we might as well, maybe, and if we do that, we might as well do issue 100 too, and lead go directly into it because. But yeah, I I've a big Hal as Parallax fan. Um, the retcon. The you know the rebirth explanation kind of did away with some of these things, as far as they kind of they for the most part they more or less creating consistencies in how Hal acted because if he was really being controlled by Parallax, there's a lot of things that Hal did that he wouldn't have done, including the moments of clarity and the moments of kind of being Hal again that he probably um, that's really questionable that he would have been able to you know do as many things as he did at times that were more that were Hal like. Um, but still, this is a version of Parallax I will always think of, and to me, this is Parallax. What did you? 
what what did you? I mean, because you're it's 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 well documented that you're a a, a big uh, Daryl Banks fan. What did I mean? What did you think of the art in these issues? I like the the art as usual in Daryl's you know in Daryl's Green Lantern books is really good. I I think the if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick sixty three, being a little bit better. Um. But that's that you know. But they're both good. I I think I think partially because I like the way you know the interaction between Hal and Kyle in the beginning of the book when neither one has their mask on. I think that's pretty cool. Um, that splash page is pretty awesome when he becomes Parallax for the first time in in the story arc. Um, I think that's I think that's really cool. I do like in in sixty four. I like uh, when he's fighting with Superman. I thought that was pretty cool. And, I, and I'd be lying. I just like I like the fact that he kicked the crap out of Superman. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Which is kind of also an homage to Zero Hour, since he knocked him out with one punch in Zero Hour. <laughs> uh, and I really like and I really like the look on Ganthan's face when he's laying into him in, in '64. Like he wanted to set things right and look at this. You know, you wanted to, you wanted the power to bring back Coast City. Look what happened. You wanted to get the ring back. Look what look what happened. You're the best of those who wielded the ring, Hal Jordan, but you, but no longer. The power cannot be yours. Right. So. Now, you did mention the uh, books that were on the floor at Parallax's feet. Um, I was looking uh, on the opposite page. Um, With the anatomy and everything else? Yes. Um, while all of those were cool, one thing stuck out to me, the name Loomis. And I, look, I, I spent some time while you were talking looking that up because that, re- that name rung true with me. Uh, and I was like, I've heard this somewhere before. Loomis was a reference to something I'll get to in just a minute. But what it reminded me of was the secret identity of the prankster. Uh, you ever hear of the prankster? He's a Superman villain. Yeah, I know of him. I don't know much about okay, him. Okay, yeah. His, his, his secret identity is uh, – I, I already closed the page. Um, but I, I know I'd heard the name in, the co- in comics somewhere before. It's not a reference to the prankster because I could find no ties with Daryl Banks. Instead, I found an interview with Daryl Banks from 2008 from the Green Lantern Corps message board, um, and it's po- it's posted uh, 2000. Uh, yeah, it says uh, July 5th, 2008, uh, and they ask you know one of the atypical questions. You know, what are your one of your greatest influences? And he lists a lot of you know, comic artists and stuff, but his, the very last sentence he says is, I must mention that many of my artistic influences are not even from comics, but fine art and, and, and illustration. Andrew Loomis, for example. Nice. So um, uh, that is a callback in, in two ways. It's, it's, a call, it's, a call, it's a shout out in two ways. One, Kyle is an artist. So he would have lots of fine art and, of course, like you see here, anatomy, oil painting books, art books. So not only is he you know, having appropriate paterfernalia in Kyle's apartment for Kyle's you know, career choice, he's also giving a shout-out to one of his influences, who actually is an influence not in comic art but in fine art and illustration, which is what Kyle does, and it's a Loomis book. So that's cool. That is cool. On the oil painting with Norman Rockwell. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 a nice touch too. Yep. And that says JC what? Oh yeah, I was trying to read that too a few seconds. JC Is that an yeah, L E X? Two... That's J C L E X. Let's see here. J C L E. No, I know it's what that so... is. 
What is it? That is, so small, that, is read it. that is J.C. Uh, Leendecker, uh, one of the preeminent American illustrators of the earliest early 20th century. Nice. So that's a Y. That's not an X. So yes, there's a. It says J C L E Y E N D E C K E R. So yeah. So yeah, J J C Leendecker. Is that Pog Pogany Anatomy? Is that what that says? I'm trying to also look at the picture on the. That's so small. It's hard for me to read. Will Pogany. Okay, so let's see. Willie, I'm going to try it, Willie. Willie Pogany. Okay, yeah, there it is. I'm looking on Amazon.com. I see a book that's called The Art of Drawing by Willie, P-O-G-A-N-Y, Pogany. And it's an, it's an anatomy book. Okay, cool. So he's given a lot of shout-outs to his own personal stuff. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, so Andrew Loomis, Will, Willie Pogany, J.C. Leendecker, and Norman, Walk, Norman Rockwell. So that's cool. Plus his own name in Sector 2814. That's pretty cool. It is. It's very All cool. All in one panel. Um, so I'm sure Jim will like that. He always, he always likes those little Easter eggs. Um, uh, I like that Martian Manhunter was reading Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, that's cool. Um, With his Oreos, of course. That's true. Got it. Now it's funny that that says Oreos because weren't they, uh, weren't they, uh, in the comics or some of the comics that weren't they like Chacos? They're called Chacos or something because DC wasn't supposed to use the name brand. You know, like you know, like when you're watching a TV show, like for instance, I'll give you my most recent example. Uh, I was watching Community, you know, just rewatching some episodes because I was bored. And one of the things they have on there is Let's Potato Chips instead of Lay's. You know, yeah, a lot of, I know they. Yeah, they do do things like that because to, even though they, by design and by look, you kind of know what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think you you might be right about that, but in my maybe maybe because I always have this panel ingrained in my mind, I always, you know, I just naturally just just think of him in the Oreos as you know real Oreos. So yeah, but that is kind of cool. He's just sitting there reading, munching away, and Ganther shows up, and I thought you would thought you were all dead. Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> Speaking of him showing up, uh, are you that up to date on your Aquaman knowledge? Is it not? Is the chick with him not, Dolphin? I would assume because it certainly doesn't. It's certainly not Mara by look. No, no, no. It's, um, it's not Mara. But yeah, that's, that's what I kind of assumed it was too. It was just, and I kind of liked the way you basically you kept going every other page. You know, basically every page on the left hand side was him stopping by and picking up another member of the Justice League. Yeah. Okay. So. And, uh, during the Zero Hour events, Dolphin met Aquaman, so it would make sense that he's alongside Dolphin if she was introduced to him during Zero Hour. Yeah, because this isn't that far removed from Zero Hour, really. Not in the big picture. Good old Zero Hour. Like the whole dinosaur thing, too. Him trying to show how that he's... Him kind of go, you're a dinosaur, your time's passed. <laughs> I like... <laughs> I like when Ganthet snatches Wally. For some reason, a turtle has uh, escaped a pet shop. There's just a, yeah. a turtle out in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. What the hell was that? It's a random turtle. <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, not a big fan of Hawkman. Never have been. But 
that first page of him where he's just flying, where it's just pure Daryl Banks art, that's cool. Yeah, the look this this look for Hawkman was pretty cool. Yeah, I like the way this looks. Um, hate Ollie's costume. Always have. Always will. Yeah, I definitely don't like it either. It reminds uh, me of the a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, it, that's true. Brown, green, guess, and a bandana across the eyes. Yeah, and it kind of remi- again, it reminds me more. I think of that outfit. I kind of think more Connor Hawk than yeah. him. And and it's kind of funny though. Just just one of those interesting things, which is just really. And it's not. I'm not criticizing. It's just kind of funny because I, I noticed it. That when this when this begins, when the first part of this story begins, that. When Gantha shows up at the diner, Ollie's got this, you know, he's, he's got this, he's kind of well-groomed with a little goatee and everything. And then you look at the end of 64, that bi- Ollie's got like full stubble on, basically like a whole mini beard's grown back on his face. <laughs> Maybe he was knocked out for a long time. I really want to play the uh, True Lies Super Nintendo game. <laughs> Never read Sovereign 7, which is a comic that's advertised in here. Never played Warlock, because for those of you who don't know, I don't know if I've said this on air before, I think I have, uh, I don't play uh, Xbox 360 or PlayStation or any of that stuff. Uh, my Super Nintendo is still in prime working condition. Uh, but I, for some reason, there's two Super Nintendo games advertised in here, well, games uh, that go across, that happen to go across uh, the Super Nintendo platform. Uh, Warlock, never heard of it, never played it. And this True Lies game, never heard of it, never played it. Never even saw the True Lies movie, um, to be honest with you. Um, There's also an ad in here for Batman Legends of the Dark Knight and Detective Comics uh, and the annuals that were the year one annuals. Never seen the cover with the Riddler. I've seen the the Legends of the Dark Knight uh, with with Man Bat, but Riddler's one of my favorite characters. I think that it would stand out to me. And I don't think I've ever seen this year one Detective Comics annual with Riddler on the cover. That has me interested. I want to pick up some some, some more 90s comics. There's a there's a page in here that's kind of cool. And, and the, uh, the only reason I'm going through this is because for some reason when I read old comics, and I do this on my Ragman blog, uh, whenever I run across old ads, I have to talk about them. There's a Comics Buyer's Guide 1994 Fan Awards. It's a thing you're supposed to fill out yep. for favorite editor, writer, penciler, blah, 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 all the way down the list, and then send in by in a single envelope by May 15th, 1995. <laughs> and it's for the, let's see, the results will be read at the 20th annual Chicago Comic Con. <laughs> uh, if, if you vote more than once, all your votes will be thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to read the, let's see. Yeah. No, none of these really. I mean, although the to be fair, there's favorite, you know, penciler, inker, writer, all that makes. Colorist, painter, letterer, specifically letterer. I mean, I know CGS has a letterer, you know, qualification, but, and I really don't mean to knock any letterers out there. I I, I respect anybody who's in the industry, and, and can make it as a career choice for them. But I just never notice lettering unless it's something you know, like you know, like when uh, Straczynski's Thor was happening. And every time uh, an Asgardian talked, it had that weird font to it. You know, when they do stuff like that, that's when I notice it. Right, because it's much easier to remember it because it stands out. Right. 
It's subtle. It's cool. Um, the only ad I really, really, really enjoy in this whole thing is the uh, static ad. It's uh, the for the static series from Milestone in DC. It's a winner of five awards, best new series, favorite character, and best editor, uh, among others, I believe. The only reason I mention it is because uh, this is basically one of my favorite '90s comics, justifying another one of my favorite '90s comics. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, uh, one of the, one of the first binds I plan on making is a static bind. I'm, you know, I gotta get all the issues for that, and then I'll have a, a enough for a bind of static. So that's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't know it, it had won any awards like that either. The good old days. This is another freaking old game I'd never heard of. I mean, I've heard of Judge Dredd. I'm talking about. Yeah, I was. I was, was going to mention Dredd because when you were going through the games, just because it was it's on the inside cover, right? A sixty. Yeah. It's it's across Game Gear, Genesis, Game Boy, and Super NES. I've never seen the Judge Dredd game. Like you know, the, you, you go to cons, you go to like a GameStop, you go to half price books. Every now and then, we'll have like vintage video games. You'll see a bunch of random ass games there. I've never seen right. these 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 cartridges in any of the the places I've been. Now you have this. You have the Superman game, I assume. Right? Uh, the Death and Return of Superman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I haven't won it yet because that is a game. There, there are certain games I've discovered with Super Nintendo, and it, this drives me insane because the technology was there. No save feature. Yeah, you're right. You have to keep. You have. You have to make. You have yeah. to make it through the level, or else, or else just. And I can't remember which of those levels is hard as crap for me to beat. Uh, Steel. I think it's. I, actually, a matter of fact, that was on the tip of my tongue, but I was like, man, maybe not. Yeah, I think it's probably Steel. Which Which part? The Engine City part, or the part? Engine or the, City. Or the. Yeah, yeah. When you when you keep fighting all the different heads. The heads of the cyborg, yes. right at the end. Yeah, that one was. That one is a hard one. That's that is probably. I think that was the hardest screen, and if not, both all the steel screens are hard. Even the other one when he went, just because it's so repetitious, you got to do so much to get to. But I love that game. That's even I still. I got rid of most of my cartridges for Super Nintendo. I still have. I think I still have the. I think I still kept the game system, and I know I kept super. I kept that game. I just loved. That's the main reason I got that system. I've, because I love that game so I've much. I've got that. I've got Captain America and the Avengers. Well, that would be cool. I've got um, Maximum Carnage. Oh, that would have been cool too. I have Justice League Task Force. I have that too. A, and I have what the M- Empire. I got Empire Strikes Back. I uh, don't have that. I think I. I I I got a. I've been always been able to play any Super Nintendo game I got. I got one a while back that I have no idea how to play or had no. And then we're talking a while back that I had no idea how to play, so I ended up just getting rid of it. It was a Godzilla game of all things. Had no idea say, how to play it. Was that for? Did you say that was Super Nintendo or was that a Nintendo? That was Super Nintendo. There was a Super. There was a Super Nintendo Godzilla. I had a Nintendo Godzilla game, which was pretty friggin' awesome, actually, especially for the fact that it was a regular, it was the regular system it, because it was kind of like a. It was called it was Super like a, Godzilla. So that would make sense for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. For the Super Nintendo, I think it might have been. It might have been. I don't know if it was Godzilla King of the Monsters or whatever, but it was like it was like a dual. The game was like, basically, it was kind of like you. It was like you and Mothra. 
you were you were you alternated between using Godzilla and Mothra, and I think the whole you basically were moving out from Earth going to I think Planet X or Planet Zero, and you were going you were moving out, and basically the first part of every level was you were more like moving on a chessboard basically, like a like a or like a hexagon board, and you just kept moving because you had to go from left to right, and you would fight, and you. Once you got to like a city on that planet, you'd have to go and you'd have to destroy the city and fight the aliens there. And then eventually you got to the end where you'd fight whatever alien bosses were there. So, but for its time, it was it was it was pretty cool. So they had Mecha Godzilla and all the all the pretty much every monster that you would think of, you, know, you could think of. They had Mothra and Godzilla fight. So it was a pretty that was a pretty cool game for the regular. For the regular Nintendo. Much better than the Friday the 13th game. <laughs> and, and for the record, folks, we're recording this the night that Godzilla premieres as far as like a midnight, uh, midnight premiere. Um, yes, which is funny because I, I, I was this close to – I was this close to going uh, going to the like the 10 – whatever they had tonight, the 1040 or whatever it was. I was this, I was this close to going and I'm driving and I'm on the phone talking to my – friend with my headset it's like why do i think i have something to do tonight it's like shit we pushed the recording back to tonight forget everything we just talked about (laughs) yeah i wanted to see it as a matter of fact i have a couple of work friends who are like telling me that they wanted they because i've been the one that's been hyping them up about it ever since i you know saw the very first teaser um you know and you know every time i'm at work and uh, there's a new teaser i pull it up and make them watch it and then super excited what my coworkers going to uh, IMAX? See an IMAX 3D tomorrow. Uh, another one's going to a different showing at like eight something, and they they they're like, "You're going, you're going. We'll, we'll even pitch in and buy you a ticket," which is cool. But tomorrow I've got to I've got to work from eight a.m. to seven p.m. and I I uh, work twenty miles away from where I you know I I, I live. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm doing this this recording tonight, so I'm getting to bed just a little bit later than I would would like to. So, a little, a little, you know, going to bed a little later, plus a nearly 12 hour workday. <laughs> I'm not I, as much as I love Godzilla. I'm gonna get some freaking sleep <laughs> before I have to go to work the next day. <laughs> no, I hear you. Let's see here, another cool ad. Uh, I always like looking at the whenever you see a subscription page. Yeah, I was thinking about that too because I was looking at it. Let's see. I'm not going to bother with pricing, but uh, Animaniacs had no idea there was an a- a DC Animaniacs series. Um, <laughs> Extreme Justice. Uh, there's Justice League Task Force. Uh, uh, Looney Tunes, Power of Shazam. Let's see. Asriel. There's Shadow of the Bat. Uh, let's see. Babylon 5, Star Trek, and Star Trek Next Gen. I didn't know there was a the Ray comic in the '90s. Yeah, I remember the Ray. That was one of the things they relaunched after Zero Hour. There's Sovereign Seven. No idea what that is. Um, let's see. Damage. Judge Dread. Judge Dread. Legends of the. There were two Judge Dread titles. Evidently, there's a Lobo series. It's something called Primal Force. No idea what Primal Force is. Yeah, that was that was that that was another one that was. There were a whole, there were a whole bunch of series that they basically pushed coming out of uh, at a zero hour, which almost all of which crashed and burned. Yeah. Um, Hawkman included, <laughs> but there were, there weren't, yeah, there weren't that, there weren't that many things that, if there were, I don't know if there were any. I'm trying to remember if there were any new characters and all the, and all those new issues that they pushed. If there were that, if there was any series that actually really survived out of that. 
or a new character that they I do hear good things push. about I do hear good things from time to time about the nineties Fate series. The Doctor Fate. Right. I thought some people not, I thought I mean, not some a people new character, liked, but still. Right. I thought some people liked the Star like Starman, I oh, thought. Yeah, after everybody was Starman. So, but yeah, I I still remember because I was working at the bookstore at the time, so I still remember putting it, putting the comics out of the bookstore, and they had little zero hour toppers to put on the racks, like you know, for all the for all the zero issues and everything as they as they came out. Green Lantern Zero was still one of the best zero hour issues. That'd be something that that'd be cool to, to look at with, and obviously not by itself, but with another issue. Depending, maybe we'll do a. Maybe depending on your interest, we could do a couple more like Hal and Kyle issues and stuff, and that would be another one to, because that was a really that was a really good issue. I thought Green Lantern Zero certainly much better than the new Green Lantern Zero, <laughs> the Simon Bass one, right? That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh. Is there anything else? We we kind of got distracted with the ads, but is there anything else you wanted to say about the issues? I mean, that's. It's fairly straightforward, and if they wanted, they could have technically told this story in in one issue. I mean, I'm not saying I would have wanted them to. I'm just saying that the way it's it's I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. It's almost like this this story is both condensed and has filler. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. I don't know if there's that much filler though. Well, I mean, I I mean. The only thing I guess you could say that might be repetitious is like you we kind of referred to before about how pretty much everybody's gave, giving Hal the same spiel about why you know why he should stop what he's doing or why what he's doing is wrong. But but other than that, I you know I it was it was I mean it was good also because again this is the first interaction that most of these characters have had with Hal since Zero Hour. Yeah. I mean many of these characters didn't even know Hal was still alive. You know, after Zero Hour, because Hal and both Hal and Kyle were thought to be dead and or lost in time, uh, as far as most people were concerned. So it was it was kind of in, and some you know some, and plus there's some characters like you know Wally that really didn't have much interaction with Parallax Hal before this. So it's it was, but it, it is one of, it is one of my favorite storylines. Uh, it there were a lot of good you know relatively short story arcs. I. Th- Back in uh, and and p- some people might want to take note of this good short story arc. Uh, back in the back in the day with the in in Kyle's run, I mean they, you never had particularly long story arcs in Kyle's run. Um, but I liked I, so it was always one of my favorite storylines. I'm glad we we got to got to revisit it. Certainly a nice change of pace from the Durlins. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... Yeah, I always love going back to this stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just turning the page, and I saw an ad I forgot. Where will comics' brightest stars be this May? On DC Comics Online. And underneath, <laughs> it it's got the logo for America Online. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was 1995. Oh, God. Hey, hey it's, it's 1995. You're lucky there's even anything referring to the Internet then. <laughs> Still. I mean, it was starting to get big then, but still, I mean, man, and it says DC brightest stars, and it says Aquaman with Peter David. I mean, we all know that Peter David Aquaman is hit or miss for some people, but you know, it's it's well known at least. 
Wonder Woman with the writer artist John Byrne, editor Paul Coverberg. And then again, here's Sovereign Seven. I really get I guess I really must check out a couple of issues of Sovereign Seven. See what that was like. Cause they're sure advertising the hell out of it. Yeah, they were I think that was a book that they that they did promote pretty heavily back then. Alright, well uh anything else you want to say about these two issues? No, I think I think we covered it. All right, you want to move on to emails? Well, an email. Yeah, let's 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 transition. Let's, let's do the email. Yeah, let's transition to the email first, and then we there's one other thing we're gonna go over tonight, which so we won't go. We won't be too long, people. So, um, okay. So this email is from some strange person named Jim Ford. <laughs> the name sounds familiar. I just can't really place it. Sounds like a prick. <laughs> it sounds like an imposter. <laughs> you know what? Let's not even read this. <laughs> Let's not even read this. This email sucks. <laughs> All right. So, so Jim wrote us a few days ago. Uh, hey guys, long long time host, first time emailer here. Seriously though, it's Jim Ford. For the new listeners, Chad is contractually obligated to mention my name in each episode. So, there you go. I'm the Jimmy's mentioning. Anyway, I, I had been waiting to listen to episodes till I caught up, but since that wasn't looking likely, I just jumped in and started catching up through you guys instead of the issues. I got to episode 172 where you were mentioning the Red Lantern timeline in response to my idea that all the batteries were in some way based on Owen Tech. And he goes, here you go. This is mostly from memory, and these are just the main points. Red Lantern Zero gives us lots of background, but the ending stuff gets compressed. So figure the five inversions get imprisoned at some point. After that, Abin Sur gets drawn to the planet and finds the five of them all strung up. They tell him of the prophecy. He leaves and comes back lots of times to keep finding out more. more. Uh, consequently, this is also about the time he starts working as an Abin, with Natromo to build the Indigo tribe. Eventually, Abin Sur wants more info out of the inversions, and obviously they are mentioning Earth because of the white entity and the start of the black with Black Hand. Abin takes Atrocitus there as a prisoner to get more info. He escapes. Abin dies. Sinestro ends up taking Atrocitus back to Yismalt and starts hearing prophecies about his, as in Sinestro's, downfall. Fast forward most of Hal's career, Atrocitus finally figures out what he has to do when he kills the other inversions with... It's supposed to be Quill, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's just Cull, but I think it's a typo. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Quill. With Quill being the one whose blood powers the battery. The other inversions' blood formed the blood lake in Yuzmalt. So not only have the inversions seen a battery numerous times before the creation of the Red One, Atrocitus has literally been on the same ship as a battery flying through space. Completely logical, then, that he used blood magic to get some idea how a battery worked. It's not like he had never heard or seen a battery before and created something brand new on his own. He had an existing idea set before him with Sir's battery. Anyway, anyways, great job with the show. I'm really digging them. I would say I'm plowing through them, but at 14 and a half hours each, it's taking a little while. Just kidding. Stay bright, Jim Ford. <laughs> What a douchebag. <laughs> and we'd like to reply, but this episode is getting close to 14 hours, so I think we better cut it short. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. We figured we'd read it on air, and that's good enough for you, right? 
<laughs> we, we, we got your name out there, so... I was busy talking about Super Nintendo. I'm sure you can understand. Uh, <laughs> no, that's cool. It was a, it was a good, re- it was a, g- a good recap of what of the logic behind, you know, the what could very well have been the domino theory of creating the red, creating the red power battery, and how it kind of works like an Owen battery, but not 100. percent Yeah, the only problem is the some of the storylines he mentions take place pre New Fifty Two, and we still are. Un- and for those of you who think I'm. You know, you're hearing stuff in the background, and I'm not paying attention. I'm just putting my comics back in their bag. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the stories he mentioned could be in in pre New Fifty Two, and who knows what's in continuity because DC refuses to give us that information at this point. But I mean, if 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 all of those little bits and pieces are still in in, in continuity, it, I mean, the timeline makes sense. I think so. I think it makes for makes pretty good sense yeah which is probably why they'll retcon some of it away that's right <laughs> this makes sense well we must throw a, a wrench in the works yeah here's the 105th different origin for how and why Abinser died <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I, I guess i should uh, give the login and transfer the the ownership rights or whatever over to uh jim for the core conjecture blog because I'm doing all my conjecturing here, if if any at all, <laughs> and now now he's gonna have to have an outlet for all his wild theories, like the one he just laid out before us. He does have an outlet. He'll be emailing us. Who said we wanted that though? <laughs> we want listener feedback. He's a listener. And I don't know if he counts. <laughs> Jim Ford never really counts. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a cool, uh, good email, a nice long email. Thank God, you know, we finally got one from him. Because <laughs> I, I remember uh, when we were doing episode 169, uh, them joking about how they're going to email all the time. <laughs> and it took them how long <laughs> to just send an email? <laughs> is it, this is true. We're, we're, we're getting close to our 25th anniversary episode. <laughs> I know, right? Uh all right. Well, um, not much to say. We, I mean, we, he 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 didn't really ask us anything. Shame on you. Uh, he just <laughs> laid out his personal viewpoint. Uh, if you wanted your viewpoint read on the air, you should have stayed a host, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. You that's right. You snuck one by us. I'm, I'm I'm getting it all out because he can't retaliate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is where Chad goes drunk with power. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, we, we, we love emails, guys. We do encourage them. Um, it's always cool to see uh, a new email in the queue, even if it's from Jim Ford. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, we want to keep getting those. So please, 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 please uh, send us an email. And just like this time, guys, we'll be, uh, you know, we went a little longer than we wanted to. So, and we still have one other thing to talk about, but we went a little longer than we wanted to. Uh, so we're just gonna do that email this time, and we'll do we'll save Twitter and uh, Facebook till next episode. And every now and then there, there are gonna be those type of episodes where we go a little long, we only have time for one little bit of listener feedback, and we'll probably pick an email. So if you want us to focus exclusively on you, I'm just saying the chances are a little greater if you send us an email. 
Yeah, that would that would that would certainly be certainly be beneficial. And of course, a voicemail is also always welcome at seven zero eight Lantern. I don't think we've gotten a single voicemail since you and I have taken the reins. No, no, we we we, we haven't. Shame on you. Um, all right. So, what what other mystery topic did you want to discuss? So the other mystery topic that I. Not, it's not that much of a mystery. We kind of alluded to it in a previous episode. But but sales. Sales of Green Lantern comics, basically how they've been doing, at least in the last couple of months. So it's having a reference point. So actually we can kind of look at this, not necessarily every month. We don't necessarily have to do it every month, but just kind of have keeping an eye, knowing where we stand now as a jumping off point and then seeing, you know, how things are trending. Um, so my first question for you is, do you know any... Have you looked at the April sales yet? No, but I would imagine that Greenland. Don't 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 jump the gun yet. <laughs> so now we're gonna now we're gonna play trivia. Okay. We're gonna play Green Lantern trivia. Very 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 brief trivia, so don't worry. So today's contestant is young Chad Bokeman. Smooth Chad Bokeman from Austin, Texas. <laughs> so so Chad. What do you think was the best-selling lantern-centric or lantern-related book in April? In April? In April. What numbers were those? The thirties. Uh, Red Lantern. But I, but I was just gonna say, but don't forget there were other lantern books too that came out besides all the all the thirty numbers. Yeah. New Guardians Annual was out in that month. Laura Flees, things like that. So not the first. Trying to be fair. Not the first issue of Sinestro, though. Yes. Oh, it was. That came out in April. Oh. Is that your guess? Or is you just want to it's, know if that came out in April? It's either Sinestro or Red Lanterns. The answer is Sinestro. Sweet. Sinestro was the best-selling Green Lantern-related book in April. It was number 33. Okay. Green Lantern itself was, was 39. Green Lantern Corps was 85. New Guardians was 92. What? Yep. Red Lanterns was 94. The New Guardians Annual, which just came out, was 116. And if we, for, for, for the five people that care, even though I actually did read this, reread this episode tonight for some reason, this issue, and it actually wasn't half as bad as I re- thought it was going to be, uh, Larflees was number 160. It's a little sad that Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps still maintain such a high ranking just because they're especially Green Lantern as being one of the, you know, the big sevens main titles. Right. Um, because I honestly thought that Red Lantern, now, no, because in the back of previews every month, there's a list of the top hundred for, for the, the previous month. And I am uh, well aware of the trend of the big sevens main titles always being near the top, no matter how, we, we personally think of the title, the actual buying, uh, it doesn't reflect it. Now, we have to remember, one, of the, one, one thing you have to remember is these numbers are based on comic shops buying from the publisher slash distributor. This isn't what the actual shops themselves sell. Right, it's basically what's ordered. Yes. Or what's... Exactly. So... With that in mind, you know maybe the numbers could, you know, could be a little off. You have to consider the name brand, you know, quote unquote name brand recognition of of the of the big sevens main titles. Um, but I mean, honestly, I was 
I was at my LCS the other day, and I ca- someone had a stack of comics, and the guy at the counter was like, hey, Mr. Bulkelman, uh, have you been reading this? Because this guy had a, a question about the uh, Superman Wonder Woman series. Uh, and the guy behind the counter hadn't been reading it, but he, you know, he knew I was a DC fan. I said, "No, I haven't been reading it." But one of the things in there he had was a copy. The only GL-related thing he had was a copy of the latest um, of Green Lantern Corps, which is, uh, as we record this, came out yesterday. Um, right. And I, yeah, I was at the comic. Yeah, I was there yesterday. That was yesterday. Um, he he was talking about and and. and I had asked him after the guy left because, you know, I didn't want to discourage a sale or anything. I said, have you been getting any good feedback on Green Lantern Corps? He said, no. <laughs> he said, if people are buying Lantern books actively, they're only buying Red Lanterns or, or New Guardians. So basically, apparently, the Lantern fans, at least at my LCS, are basically consistent with your you and I's opinion of, of what the best of the big four is. And apparently, Sinestro Man. is doing really well there as well. So... Yes, we we have we also have to temper our ex- expectations for Sinestro because even though a number one issue doesn't have the same pull that they used as they used to, it still was the number one issue. Yes, issue number one. Yes. So yeah, so the key will be to see what kind of a drop we have when issue number two comes out this month. Now, what's interesting is that even though Green Lantern and Core are both selling better than New Guardians and Red Lanterns, the drop from March to April was much steeper. As far as their overall rankings, um, I'm just trying to take take a quick look in in in, uh, in real sales. But in the rankings, in the in the the drop off with Guardians and excuse me with Lantern and Core was much greater than with Red Lanterns and uh, New Guardians, even though they all dropped. Yeah, which is not a good sign. Green Lantern in March was number 31, so it went from 31 down to 39. Uh, Core was 76 in March, dropped to 85. New Guardians was 88 and only dropped to 92. And Red Lanterns was 89 and only dropped to 94. Even Larfleet's only, I mean, Larfleet's is barely selling, but Larfleet's went from 150 to 160, basically. So Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core, per capita, seem to be the ones that are dropping at a greater rate. Yeah. Which is not, which you would think makes sense since they're selling. I mean, it's basically the same story. So yeah, you, dropping a little bit is only indicative of new series coming out or changes in creative teams or something like that. Uh, dropping sig- substantially is a combination of both right. new, uh, new, uh, new or changes in in a series and lack of interest. And and but if you if you look at April sales though, it's a it's a pretty, a pretty bad sign um, that you have pretty much. If you let's take Sinestro, you can move Sinestro aside maybe because it's the number one issue. But if you just look at the, all the books that were had were in existence a month before, that the only book that's even in the top eighty is Green Lantern. Yeah, I mean Core, New Guardians, Red Lanterns are all between eighty-five and ninety-four, and even the New Guardians annual was all was down to one sixteen. Putting it in perspective, Justice League three thousand number five was a better seller than Green, than any than three of the four regular Green Lantern books. Well, so what were okay of now the list you're looking is all comics or just from the main publishers or? I think it was from the main, but I, I right now I, I 
I don't have the full list in front of me now. I just pulled I just pulled out the where the where the lantern books oh, were. Okay. I mean, I could do it, but I, we would have to revisit it because I don't I don't think I can pull it up this this quick. No, it's all right. I was just kind of curious. I was gonna. It, it wouldn't matter. It would it would have led into another DC rant. So we're we're better off. Um, <laughs> now before I uh, turn it over to Mark to give us the contact information, I did send out a tweet. Uh, before Mark and I started recording, said we're recording right now regarding Green Lantern Parallax View Part 1 and 2 from the Kyle Rayner series. What did you think? Uh, and just in case anybody happened to catch it and give us a, uh, a shout-out and uh, a response. Uh, and we actually did get one. So it, it, to thank him for responding so quickly and while we were still recording... Scott says, I loved it. I'm reading all of the Kyle run, and I'm on issue 112. I'm following along with Sean Engel's podcast. And Sean Engel is the um, uh, is the uh, the guy who does the Just One of the Guys podcast. I don't know if you've heard of that, Mark. No. No, I must honestly say that I haven't. There, there are several Green Lantern-based podcasts out there. Uh, that have cropped up ever since the Lantern cast first showed up. Uh, this is part of the uh, Two True Freaks network, uh, and this is just one of the guys. Um, basically, he's going through uh, in or kind of in order, I think in order, starting with the uh, the 90s series. Let me see if I can get the album artwork to show up here for the first episode, uh, if at all. No, no album artwork. Uh, he is not the riveting podcasting. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not seeing any any uh, names of uh, issues here. Issues here. Um, no, but like for instance, the most the most recent episode uh, is showing the Green Lantern. I think that's 112. Uh, the the Chinatown showdown, where it's got uh, Kyle and Jade on the cover, and uh, he's using a uh, construct uh, a construct Chinese dragon, and what's her uh, the, that that one Green Lantern like chick? She's like a hunter of the Green Lanterns or whatever, is going up against him, and he does this thing where he talks about one issue from one series and one issue from another series. Um, this is um, Green Lantern, I'm not sure of the number. I think it's number one. Um, the It's part of the uh, Eclipso, the Darkness Within thing. Yes. Uh, so that's on there as well. So, yeah, he's going through a lot of the older stuff. He hasn't gotten to, uh, that, that I'm aware of, he hasn't gotten to the stuff like the more modern stuff like Jeff Johns. Uh, so he's basically covering all the stuff that the Lantern cast never has. And uh, I've listened to a lot of his episodes, and he's done a, he's done a pretty great job. Uh, you know, at some point we'll be stepping on each other's toes as he, you know, moves forward and we go backwards once we have some more time on our hands. But it's, he, it's, I've listened to lots of episodes of all the Green Lantern podcasts and just one of the guys is one of my favorites of, of the other Green Lantern podcasts. And there's several of them. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the. Two True Freaks Network, and that's going to be uh, just one of the guys. But thanks, Scott, for the tweet. Really appreciate it. Glad we got a shout-out. 
and a response before we finish recording. Absolutely. And if other if people want to get in contact with us uh, or you know maybe follow us so that they can stay up to a, a great a great incentive to stay up to date with us on Twitter or anything. So what 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 would they want to do there? Oh, I don't know. Maybe what they should do is they could email us lanterncast at gmail.com lanterncast at gmail.com you can visit our website lanterncast.com and you can access our forums our blogs we've been branching out I did a movie review the other day uh, we'll be doing more products of the week I have a few of them that I, I want to get done in a short fashion now that we do have a little had, we've had anyway a little bit of leeway uh, now that we've caught up with doing the monthly issues uh, you can check out our galleries there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, please leave a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think. And one last thing about the sales, the thing that will be interesting about the sales is why it's probably worthwhile keeping an eye on is eye on uh, the fact that how far do the sales have to drop before they're going to really start thinking about doing something. I mean, if the sales continue to drop every month, I mean, it's not going to be too too far off before all three of those books or at least two of those books will be out of the top hundred. And it's even, you know, in all honesty, it's still pretty sad that Green Lantern is pushing, is not, that if the rate, all it has to do is to keep dropping by a little bit and Green Lantern won't even be a top 40 book anymore. And it wasn't that long ago when not only was Green Lantern, Green Lantern was a guaranteed top 20 and usually a top 10 book when, in, with Johns in his prime, all right, during the, you know, the golden age of Jeff Johns there. So it'll be really interesting from that point of view, which is, I think, kind of the reason why we thought it was worthwhile bringing it up you know for discussion is just the fact that seems to be a decent amount of discontent out there with the storyline i think the real test will be whatever story arc follows the dorland thing uh we give them credit for bringing back some characters like von daggle and obviously one who they just brought back which they were which it isn't a huge surprise from the point of view that they during an interview would made it clear they were gonna, we were going to see this character again i won't i'm not going to say it I was just going to say I'm not going to spoil it now, even though the odds are this won't come out before that you know for several weeks after this issue has been out. But the point still is that they are. I give them complete credit for revisiting some characters that were completely lost in the shuffle and thrown away. But still, I think this a little. The next story arc after the Durland thing ends, I think, is going to be really critical for Core and for Green Lantern to try to get some kind of momentum. And then, if not, I really wonder what they're going to when the cutoff point is going to be because. You, Seeing Green Lantern drop from all the way from where it was, even when Jeff Johns was finishing up his run, to where it is now, that's a huge drop. And do you really want to risk Green Lantern drifting back in, into obscurity again? And plus, sinking sinking the Green Lantern family of books in the process from going from four books or five, counting Sinestro, it's technically six for at least a couple of more issues with um, Larflees. But still, there'll be five at least ongoing books in the next couple of months. How long do you go before you, you do? You really want to to risk a good thing or if you can possibly save it so those are just my thoughts i don't know if you have any green lantern and green lantern core have to be self-contained storylines they can't be crossing over with each other just for a little while let them do their own thing 
Uh, I know that's going to be a little difficult because Green Lantern's going to be focusing on Hal, and he's the leader of the Corps, and Green Lantern Corps is something else. But I think um, I think it's doable. I think they can cross over as far as like referencing each other. But I don't think the whole like for instance the whole Derlin Coon thing that's going on right now directly impacts both of them at the same time, and then. John's in Hal's book and Hal's in John's book and stuff like that. You know, maybe every now and then, like, Hal could communicate with John and say, hey, I need you guys to go do this or, what, you know, whatever. But whatever the what happens with John and his crew shouldn't be like, oh, now they're coming to Oa and it's a big fight. You know, like, it's, it, it, they need to be their own semi-self-contained storylines that last if there's going to be a you know an ongoing plot in either title three issues four issues max don't be don't do the six issue just give it time to to do short little one-off stories and um build some characterization and stuff like that and uh you know some some good action beats and stuff like that in there um and and as far as i'm concerned Red Lanterns and and uh, New Guardians don't change a thing. You're doing fine. No, I agree. I was just I was just about to add that if you if you didn't the fact that that's in a way that's what concerns me the most. And if and maybe if you were DC, that would concern you the most too. Is that those those books are the ones that have kind of like staked their own territory. You know, they staked a different claim to a part of the, the DC or the the uh, Green Lantern universe, and they're telling their own stories, and they're good. And it's a really good read, and it's a fun read, and the fact that the book seemingly isn't really catching on, and then going maybe and then sliding backwards from a sales point of view, that's a that's a problem. But then you, but again, you have to you have to consider whether it's kind of like a trickle down effect, mm-hmm. whether the fact that the main Green Lantern titles are becoming less popular, or the main title and core, which is probably two a, you know one A, or that. Those books are not as popular as they were, so is that creating less interest in Green Lantern as a concept, and is that trickling down that people – well, we don't even like the main Green Lantern book, so why are we going to read this book that's not even about Green Lanterns to begin with? I don't know. I just think that it just – I think yeah, – I, I, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I interrupted you. No, good. Good. I think, I think the trickle down is only in as far as people who aren't already reading um, – uh, Red uh, Red Lanterns and New Guardians. Uh, so, for instance, the trickle down you would get is if if Green Lantern was good, just like you said, you know, if Green Lantern was good, you go, okay, well, what's going on over here? But if the main flagship book isn't like spectacular, then well, the lesser books obviously can't be uh, are, have to be worse. I mean, that's I mean, is that the right way of thinking? No. But in some way, yeah. in some way, it's I mean, logical. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it 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 make it does yes, it does make sense. I mean, because again, it is kind of a using a crude analogy. It's kind of like the shit runs downhill kind of thing. That if that if everything's that if the, if the tip if the tip of the iceberg, you know, if the ship if the tip, if the tip main the ship, ship is sinking, the tip of the shit iceberg. The tip. No, that's not. No, that's not where I was going. It's another analogy, but it might have been a better one without the ship. But the whole point is, if you're, if the most important thing is running, is starting to go, go in the toilet, literally, and everything's, you know, the small stuff's gonna follow 
follow suit. You know, it's just going to get all pulled down together, and that's what's and that's what's pro- and that is what's probably going on too. It would be, even though they are independent stories being told in those books. Yes, it would be hard for Red Lanterns and, and New Guardians to basically surpass Green Lantern. Yeah. And sales because Green Lantern by himself or as a book is a much better known book. It's a much more promoted book. It's a better known character. Uh, whether it all has to do with it being Hal in the lead or is, is debatable at the moment. It's just the fact that. Well, so. I, it depends. It depends on it depends on how long they stick with these titles and how long before they give up on or start canceling books because. Based on the rate of decline of people buying the books, eventually, Green Lantern is getting Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core are not enticing new readers and losing their current readers. Especially Core, As, if you look at the big yeah. the big difference between Green Lantern and right, Core. Right, I mean, right. there's there's a growing dif- mm-hmm. there's a growing disparity mm-hmm. between Green Lantern and Core because Core is creep is basically falling into the into a, a really crowded pack with New Guardians and Red Lanterns, as opposed to being close to its, you know, its its brother in arms. Right. Uh, and 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 New Guardians, and New Guardians and and Red Lanterns are suffering from not getting the new the new readers, but they're not losing their current readership. So that's true. So they, they are kind of holding their so own. So if Green Lantern and and Green Lantern Corps keep losing readers at both new and current readers at an exponential rate and green lantern core maybe loses a couple or, or new guardians and red lanterns loses a couple here or there eventually like and again this all depends on when they give up on what but it, so let's say everything stays the way it is right now eventually it's going to get to the point where green Lan- uh, where new guardians and and red lanterns uh start surpassing some of their other titles now i don't know if it will get to the point where they surpass Green Lantern itself, because like I said, this the, these figures are based on what comic stores are buying from the publisher slash distributor, not what the comic fans themselves are buying. And it's a one of the big seven flagship book that's going to get you know there are some people who buy that stuff no matter what for whatever stupid right. reason. So yeah, I think. And again, like we said, not to beat a dead horse, it comes down to how far how far they're willing to let the book drop before they think we got to do something. Yes. I mean, because they knew. I mean, everybody knew that once Jeff Johns left the book, the book was going to drop in sales. Even though, yes, some people were disgruntled with Jeff Johns or not as thrilled with him as they used to be, but the book still sold really well. It's not like it was a sales-driven move where we have to move Jeff Johns off this book. I'm sure it was. It was just a more of a. Either maybe Jeff Johns himself was burned out and or the fact that they were basically taking Johns off for almost every monthly book because – and they were focusing him on the events and basically sending him where they needed just like he's on Super, when it was the, the Superman book now. But for the most part, he's really not doing many monthly books anymore. Right. So it's not like he was pushed off. It was not like he was a mutiny and that's the reason why, why, you know, why he's gone. But clearly, I mean – from a DC point of view, you don't want. I don't see the. I don't see how they want to let. Green, and we'd have to go back a long time ago to see if we could find the sales like where Kyle's book was towards in the last year or so of his run. But you don't want to get it to the point where Green Lantern is really drifting back off to obscurity after where he was. Yeah. And after how how big a character he was, how big he was in events, how much he was selling. It's even sad with the merchandising now. I mean, yes, we're luckily going to get the end of the batteries, but the drop off in Green Lantern merchandise has been pretty pretty noticeable yeah 
the t-shirts i mean they still come up with some cool t-shirts on the dc sites and through previews and things like that not as often in previews so I'm, but you do find an occasional one but that that's another pr- pretty simple indicate indicator that you know that they are not marketing to that audience as much because there's not that as much merchandise so the question is how far are they willing to let it drop and again that's why i think the next story arc after the Durland thing that's that's the linchpin yeah i agree i think it has to be because i mean obviously you've, we've heard for a while the vendetti city pretty much from the beginning when he took the book that they had like the first years of sto- year of stories planned out now little did we know that the majority of those issues were going to be telling the same story yeah. <laughs> but the point still is we're getting to that we're getting to that point where there's been a, almost a full year on the book and even leaving giving an extra issue here or there for relic and things like that that this you know this is a six part six part uh arc that the uprising, which which I guess in theory is supposed to end the whole Durlin Coon thing. So where they go next is going to be critical because so many, I mean most, there, yeah, some people say they like they like the book or they like the arc, but I think most of what I hear is what what we've talked about, and you probably hear the same thing about that it's not that interesting an arc and it's just going on forever. Yeah, and that's what I think is starting to you know to chip away at at at, at the base of of the readership. Yeah, so the question is and we don't, where. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, so like, what is it's something we're going to keep an eye on. We'll, it'll be curious now that we kind of have done a, like a base, a base, you know, a baseline of where we are with sales. We don't necessarily have to revisit this every month, though. I guess for five minutes in an episode, it wouldn't hurt just to get an idea of just comparing it to the like the month before, and is, and if the books just continually go down, bar, you know, barring any any special, you know, issues like a flip the flip book or anything like that. So. Yeah. That's it. I'm sorry. I rambled on. No, we both did. All right. Reiterate, guys. 708lantern, lanterncast at gmail.com. There's also Twitter and Facebook, but those are the main ones. That's right. (laughs) Talk to you next time, guys. All right. Good night, everybody. night.